Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live program that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in media and culture throughout these United States and the world so you guys can get an honest look from regular people who don't live in high-rise apartments in New York and California uh, to who apparently don't understand how to uh, buy milk. So Alan did his introduction, but he was accidentally muted, and it's all my fault. But just so you are aware, Alan is broadcasting here from Seattle. Beautiful. (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. Possibly overcast. (laughs) Oh, it's sunny. Currently sunny. So, what a big week to have uh, for the show. Uh, Want you guys to understand. So, Tuesday happened. We had elections on Tuesday. This was a discussion uh, that we got into last week, and there are some comebacks. I have some analysis that you will not hear in other places, so more of that to come as well, as John Durham did a thing. Uh, John Durham finally did a thing. Uh, I'm not going to get into, I've never been one of the John Durham's coming TikTok people. Um, but he did a thing. Uh, there's some analysis that needs to come out of that. And then obviously lots of other stories going on, almost to the point where I would breed the conspiracy that we're being inundated with so many different news stories that we can't actually um, keep up. It's almost that point. Um Let's start, though, uh, with a little bit of a celebration here. Obviously, I live in Virginia, so it was a very incredible thing to watch the election unfold on Tuesday to where Virginia elected a Republican governor, Glenn Youngkin. Mm. There's been a lot of analysis. I've made some jokes on social media that some of you have followed to the point where I will point out uh, the one thing that I saw that came out of Glenn Youngkin's election to governor in the state of Virginia is that it proved everybody's already confirmed bias about where Trump sits in electoral politics in 2021. Mm. <laughs> so, People who think that Trump has an influence over the party said that Glenn Youngkin's election is proof that Donald Trump has influence over the party and that he is a change maker in the country. People who think that Donald Trump needs to go away in the Republican party, not, not, not liberals, but people who are Republican and on the right who think that Donald Trump needs to go away said that Glenn Youngkin is proof that Donald Trump needs to go away. So everybody had their preconceived notions fulfilled. Hooray. So, yeah, it was... So dumb, but there's better analysis that can be had uh, because politics doesn't happen in a vacuum. Now, I don't know, Alan, should I do the political analysis of the Tuesday election first or should we do the fallout of the Tuesday election from the left? Let's do the fallout first. All right. That sounds that sounds fantastic. We'll do that and then we'll get into the analysis. So. There are a few things, actually, uh, from the fallout when it comes to 
the election on Tuesday. One that we will notice is we have to go over to New Jersey. So let's talk a little bit. And Alan, you have a kind of a fun takeaway. Uh, Edward Durr, Ed Durr, who was the truck driver who has uh, won the election against the 20-year Senate president, Steve Sweeney. Though Steve Sweeney has refused to concede the race and on Thursday claimed that they recently found 12,000 ballots in one county. It's a lot of ballots. That's a lot of ballots. Recently found 12,000 ballots days after the election. And that is the reason why the Senate president, Steve Sweeney, has refused to concede, even though his own party has actually already designated a new Senate president. He's refusing to concede because they keep finding ballots and they're probably, I mean, is it conceivable that those 12,000 ballots might all go for Steve Sweeney? I mean, no, but I bet they'll try. Now you find it odd that this guy's name is Edward Durr. Yeah, it's like if you're telling me like the redneck truck driver like suddenly won the election and his name is Durr, part of me gets a little like, is this? Is this fake? Is this fake just to make me just just to make me feel like good things can happen to distract me? Just seems a little bit. It seems like if I was writing this as a movie script, that's how I would. This is how I would do it, and that always makes me suspicious. Mm-hmm. But that is by no means to say that that is what's happening. Just when I first heard, yeah, some redneck named Durr actually won against like this entrenched Democrat. I was kind of like, I just feel skeptical of that like this seem this seems like the democrats knew what they knew that we were getting suspicious of their entrenched politicians and decided to throw one like to throw an election i don't know it's like bad script writing right like the yeah, guy that, yeah the, exactly if i was the, writing this as a bad script that's how that's how i would put it but again we do live in hilarious clown world so it could be completely it, it probably is a totally normal and real thing that just happened no, it is kind of funny, though, because, like, the guy that the public is supposed to perceive as an idiot is named Durr, which is, you know, obviously, you know, her Durr Durr. It's it. It is a bad script. It's bad script writing now it could be completely organic. We're not suggesting that Edward Durr is like, I don't know, a fed plant or, you know, controlled opposition or anything like that. Or are just, we? Yeah, like it, it, it does hit weird. No, it, 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 it's just it's one of those things that when I, I saw the, that comment of you telling me the guy who we should all be excited for that just totally blew out the center race is named Durr, like a redneck named Durr one. It seems a little too convenient. Again, but that's probably just the like paranoia and schizophrenia like coming to the fore. <laughs> now, I, I do want to point out um, that I ap- actually appreciate your use of the term redneck. Thank you. Uh, no, because we should like, I think that that's actually a fun way to present it. I think it's a fun way to say this redneck named Durr, this redneck truck driver, because it doesn't make it a pejorative. It, it takes the, takes the sting out of it because already. Um, so like I said, we've got the Steve Sweeney, the Senate president's refusing to step down saying that they magically found 12,000 ballots because, you know, that's what happens in a normal democracy. You just find ballots somewhere. Um, Hmm. 
similar, there were once again, you know, another election happens a year after 2020. And what do we see? We see like, you know, precincts are reporting in and they go from 90, you know, 94%, 95%, 96%, back to 94%. In uh, Fairfax County here in Virginia, all of the mail-in ballots were supposed to be counted by 8 p.m. on November 3rd. And then Fairfax had to announce, we don't have all of the mail-in ballots counted yet, and we don't know when we will, and we don't know how many there are. Yeah. Regardless of how you feel about the idea of fraud in the election as perpetrated by the Democrats, I think in 2021, we can all stand by the the statement that this is ridiculous. We literally went backward in electoral policy, like in in elections. We've gone backward. And I don't understand how people can't look at that and say that this is completely insane. We... It is, we have progressed in time and we can't declare winners of elections on the day the elections are held. How does anyone look at this and say, oh no, this is good. It's definitely a good thing that it takes longer in the age of technology for us to decide who wins an election. I don't know how anybody looks at this and says, oh no, this is totally a good thing. I think that that is actually probably the best the best example to to show to say our elections are being rigged. Mm-hmm. It's like it used to. Well, it used this used to never be a question. So either they've been rigged the whole time, and only now. Well, this is probably the real takeaway. The elections have probably been been being rigged for a very long time, and it's only now that so that the the voting is so wildly swinging away from what the regime wants that the manipulation of voting has to become more and more overt. It's like it probably back in the day was simply, you know, kind of putting your finger on the scale to shift it a little bit the way you want it. But now because the populace is voting so hard against the, I guess, against the bad guy candidates, they have to become they have to put so much more effort into manipulating voting that it's becoming obvious for everyone to see yeah i just this idea um this has always bothered me and i i want i want to cover this real quick yeah um in virginia for instance we basically had eight weeks of voting with vote by mail with uh, early in person and then obviously the in-person voting on voting day and that's just it's it's obscene to me. Uh, I don't care that Republicans won. There were a lot of people that you know want to show. Oh, we had record turnouts and Republicans still won. So maybe now Republicans will stop complaining about mail-in voting. No, we shouldn't stop complaining about mail-in voting. And this is why. I vote on voting day. I always have. <coughs> I haven't had a professional job. My entire life. I've worked hourly jobs. I've worked all sorts of different jobs. Now, there are some reasons why people can be offered absentee ballots. Those are very different from mail-in votes. Absentee ballots require an excuse, a reason. 
I cannot vote in person. Here is why. I'm okay with that to an extent. Mm -hmm. I'm so tired of people telling me how sacrosanct voting is, how important voting is, to then turn around and say it should be easy as possible. You should be able to even because this is what it sounds like to me when people push mail-in voting. Oh my God, we need, we need two months of mail-in voting. You are basically telling me that somebody who's too lazy to get off their ass and go vote and make the effort because that's what it really is. The restriction quotey fingers of voting is the effort it takes to go to a polling place. That's the restriction. The only restriction that exists is the effort it takes to go to a polling place. You're telling me that someone who's too lazy to go to their polling place and is like, oh, I need you to mail it to me. And can you send someone to pick it up? Can you send somebody to tell me how to vote? That person's vote should not count as much as mine. Yeah, I think that's not that's not an unreasonable way to look at it. I think it's insane that people would even suggest that it should because, and, and this is, this is why I'm bringing it up is we are getting to a point where we are basically kissing ass to the lazy people in this country. And by dint, you are telling other Americans who make the effort to go out and vote, to get informed about what's happening in their country, to go out and make a, a, a reason, a, um, sorry, a well thought out decision you're telling them that some random piece of garbage who like has to have someone literally knock on their door with a ballot in their hand, walk them through filling it out, putting it in, you know, and then delivering it to some Dropbox. You're saying, oh, well, that person has the same voice that you do. That is the surest way to make literally everyone in this country lose total faith in democracy because it's only going to result in why the hell does that person have as much a vote as I do? Yeah. And to that same point, this claim that we're expanding the franchise has only resulted in us not being able to know who the hell won the day that the election is held. Yeah. Which should open everyone up to the thought of conspiracy. Because once again, I don't like, like I've said before, I don't need to sit and listen or like I don't need to sit and go through statistics. I don't need to go through voting numbers, county numbers. This place was 105% over their population. I don't need to sit and go through any of that to be convinced that the Democrats would try to steal an election. All I need to do is listen to Democrat rhetoric where they say that the country will literally be destroyed if Republicans get elected, that our democracy is over. And that we will move to some fascist hellscape to be convinced that Democrats would steal an election because they're making every excuse to moralize doing exactly that. And I'm going to play a clip now uh, for everyone of Democrat reaction to Glenn Youngkin winning the governor's seat in Virginia. And you tell me that these people would not make any excuse to steal an election if they could based on their reaction to a Republican winning. Here's the reaction from the media.
Or apparently not. Apparently not. Yeah, I'm not seeing it actually show up. Let me. Uh, oh no. Let me let me get the audio running. I don't know why. Yeah, it's get not the playing. audio running. Yeah. I'm just, I'm How hard playing. is it to get audio running? <laughs> just, oh my just, gosh. Let's do it. Yeah. You, just uh, why why are you so bad at this, bro? Like what? Yeah. What kind of unprofessional nonsense operation are we running here? <laughs> So, all right, here's here, here's the here's a super cut. <laughs> here's the super cut of liberals uh, losing it on uh, Tuesday Tuesday night trying to explain like Glenn Youngkin's win in Virginia. Glenn Youngkin played the race card for a reason because he knows it works on certain white voters. He did stoke white grievance politics to mobilize a Republican base. He's laundered Trump's really sort of disgusting flagrant out racism he's wrapped it in education education right which is code for white parents don't like the idea of teaching about race that's the fundamental problem for these parents and this anti-crt movement they don't like the way whiteness is being portrayed in these new more inclusive lessons this wasn't about those pocketbook issues this was about how white kids feel talking about what black kids go through. The subtext of all this was, we can't let these black and brown people run the country. Glenn Youngkin running on critical race theory that he knew hit a chord around race. I think all the CRT stuff is trumped up dog whistling. Some of it was uh, dog whistle racism. The dog whistle messaging that you saw Youngkin engage in during the course of the campaign. CRT is in the, the latest line of school busing, cross-town busing, um, welfare queens. You have it. It's in, that same, it's in that same line, and you saw it in the, in the results in Virginia. This more palatable Republican who still uses the same racist themes that Trump did, he just packaged them in a soccer dad sweater vest model. He's found a way to launder a pretty racist trope, this idea that we cannot talk about America's history because it hurts my feelings. He's turned that into a campaign. White. So there you guys go. There's an entire mm. supercut, one minute and 34 seconds of explaining that the reason why Glenn Youngkin won is because voters in Virginia are all racist. Now, bear in mind, this is coming from the same party who told you that there was no fraud in the 2020 election. Which means that a not inconsequential amount of people who voted for Joe Biden were all actually racists. Well, that, I mean, truly Democrats are the real racists. (laughs) But to the same point, it needs to be said that the lieutenant governor of Virginia is Winsome Sears, a black woman. Ooh, black woman, huh? So That's exciting. But this this actually encapsulates something that I mean this is how you know that the media is fully capable and aware that they can get away with any lie that they want to an ignorant base of people who don't get informed. They spent months saying that Glenn Youngkin was basically a white supremacist, that he was a racist, because Mm -hmm. they knew that their audience, and they knew that liberals sitting at home had no idea that that the Republican ticket in Virginia 
had a black woman on it because none of those media outlets told anyone. Ah, I guess I see what you're saying. Sure. And to the same point, after all of these reactions that occurred, some of which occurred on election night, the mainstream news outlets, primarily CNN and MSNBC, didn't run the victory speech of Winsome Sears, Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, because they had just spent four hours calling Glenn Youngkin a racist. And the last thing that they could do was unseat all of that rhetoric by showing that his Lieutenant Governor was black. Yeah. Well, and it just shows that's all that they really have. They couldn't, they couldn't, challenged Lynn Youngkin on any sort of policy. So they had to go with the the kind of ridiculous, oh, it's white supremacy. It's all these other things. And I think that's very interesting. I mean, they knew what this, what this shows is that the corporate media knows that they have a stranglehold on the dissemination of information in this country, or at least they believe they do. Uh, Maybe it's debatable, you know, but they at least believe that they have a stranglehold on the dissemination of information in this country because, I mean, you watched the Democrat Party and purportedly the Lincoln Project. I don't think they're smart enough for this, but attempt to paint Glenn Youngkin as a white supremacist with their claim that oh it was uh activism it was a demonstration we did the tiki torch thing as a demonstration the the latest claim from the lincoln project this week was that all of the participants in that little demonst the little tiki torch demonstration um all of the participants in that were told to tell any any journalist that asked them uh that they were there on behalf of the lincoln project as part of a uh demonstration to show what Virginia is going to look like if Glenn Youngkin gets elected, except for the fact that several journalists, in fact, tried to ask them who they were representing and who they were, and they refused to speak. Yeah. And also the fact that every person that was involved in it, that has claimed to have been involved in it, pretended like it was organic. So obviously that's a lie. They're lying. They got caught trying to do a false flag. And then they pretended like it was, oh, no, we were going to do it the whole time. It's totally not a false flag. To include, right before uh, the election in Virginia Beach, Glenn Youngkin held a rally. Terry McAuliffe was supposed to have a rally there and then didn't show up. He canceled it because nobody came. But Glenn Youngkin had a rally in Virginia Beach. And magically, right in front of every camera there... There's some random guy wearing a Confederate flag patch, brand new Confederate flag patch on a jean jacket, but you can't see his face. Yeah, and if you watch the video, you can tell the guy intentionally moves around the audience so that he's always standing with an unobstructed, he's standing in front of the cameras with an unobstructed line of sight. Mm-hmm. So again, it's it's yet another, I mean, I would bet money it's a Democrat operative trying to influence the media. Mm-hmm. Or it's a Democrat operative working with the media to try and paint this picture that, oh, everybody that you don't like is a racist. Right. Now, 
what's fascinating here is um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into some of the analysis, right? Because the reaction was that voters are racist uh, and that voters believe lies. And there's a little bit more that we're going to get into where the new tactic of the left appears to be telling everybody that their problems aren't real. Oh, we'll, we'll get into we'll get into that in a second. But first, a little bit of analysis, um, honest analysis outside of the dumb vacuum of consultants in Washington, D.C. on what occurred Tuesday, uh, primarily focusing on Glenn Youngkin's victory. Mm-hmm. Like I said, every pundit out there wants to basically um, claim that their take was correct. When it comes to how Glenn Youngkin won, uh, as somebody that lives in Virginia, uh, watches politics and isn't an idiot, uh, I'm going to explain to you exactly what happened here, uh, because there's not a simple answer. And what's amazing about it, and primarily one of the reasons why I'm I'm going to give sort of this in depth just this in depth explanation is there are a lot of people in Washington, D.C. who want to try to capitalize on what just occurred on Tuesday. And so all of them are going to come out there with their bad ideas because let's just be honest here, the GOP consultant class is full of bad ideas. And so they're going to, there, are, there is a lot of reaction in uh, Beltway politics to try to convince their customers that they were right all along. And that you should keep paying them millions of dollars to be wrong. Because did Donald Trump have an effect on what occurred in Virginia? Unequivocally, yes. Yeah. Unequivocally, he absolutely did. And let me explain. There are a lot of people, conservatives, not never Trumpers per se, but there are a lot of conservatives, a lot of Republicans that are trying to say that Donald Trump had absolutely nothing to do with this. Zero. Then that's just not an yeah, honest dumb. take. Because you can't take politics in 2021 and not say that Donald Trump had an influence in any way, shape, or form. It's impossible, and that is a garbage take. Now, when you look at the Yunkin campaign, sure, he did play it smart. He didn't push away Trump. But he also didn't have mm-hmm. Trump come and stump for him. He made the campaign about Glenn Youngkin. Yeah. It wasn't elect me because Donald Trump likes me. It's elect me because I'm Glenn Youngkin. Which, by the way, is what every candidate should do anyway. It should be about you. You're the guy being elected. So <clears throat> Republicans shouldn't be running candidates who need Donald Trump to come rush to their rescue. That's a bad candidate to begin with. Now, sometimes that stuff happens, right. you know, but that's not Trump's fault. Mm-hmm. That's the party's fault for running garbage candidates who can't win in blue states. Glenn Youngkin didn't win in a blue state for any one reason, but he won for like a big reason that encapsulates many. And that is the fact that he actually provided a solution to a real problem. The Reason why all these consultants want to debate how he won and whatever, you can't monetize that. You can't monetize something as simple as address real people's problems. 
Exactly. And, and so everybody's going to lie about what this victory was because the simple answer is the Democrats told every voter in Virginia that was like, hey, I don't like taxes. I don't like cost of living. I don't like uh, the schools. I don't like, um, you know, the racial politics. I don't like the police politics. The answer from the Democrat Party in Virginia is everything's fine. <coughs> You're mm-hmm. wrong. Everything's fine. All Glenn Youngkin had to do was say, no, it's not. And it could be better. And this is how. It's simple politics. But you can't monetize that in the digital age. Yeah. And it's very frustrating to to watch this because... I don't know how Glenn Youngkin's going to be as a governor. Now, I live here, so it's very important to me how he is as a governor. Um, Right. If he sticks to his message, which is the number one, if he sticks to the message that he put out there, that would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. He's still a Republican, so I have concerns that he will not do that. Yeah. Because if there's one thing that I can depend on when it comes to Republicans, it's that they will let me down. Mm -hmm. Now, the primary thing that Glenn Youngkin did that won was he focused on schools. He didn't create the movement where people were getting upset about schools in Virginia. That started last summer. There were protests all over this state because of things like mask mandates, critical race theory, uh, transgender bathroom policies. There were a lot of social issues. And Glenn Youngkin didn't make Terry McAuliffe say parents shouldn't have a say in education. Glenn Youngkin didn't make uh, the National School Board Association say that the Department of Justice should use the Patriot Act to prosecute American citizens who were concerned about their children's education. Glenn Youngkin didn't do any of those things. But he stood starkly opposed to them when they were said. He told Virginia voters that all of those things were ridiculous and he would fight against them, which is not something that the GOP does often. Right. Normally, they tuck their tail between their legs and run because the media starts calling them racists because the media mm-hmm. starts saying that they're just feigning outrage and that they're part of the they're part of the problem. I mean, think about that. <clears throat> That's why this interests me so much. You had the National School Board Association trying to run with the line of parents who are protesting at school boards are domestic terrorists Dot, 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 January 6th. Right? Right. Yeah. What's the reaction we got from the GOP on January 6th, Alan? Uh, That it was probably some unholy fusion of the Holocaust and 9-11. They caved. Yeah. The only thing that Glenn Youngkin did was not cave. You mm-hmm. can't monetize, don't be a pussy. 
Right. So the consultants are going to claim it was everything except be a fighter, which gets to my overall point here of when was the last time we saw a politician who didn't cave even though they were constantly berated by the media? Donald Trump. Yes. He gave the roadmap to Glenn Youngkin's success. Now, I'm not trying to say that Trump had everything to do with it. You just need to embrace the good parts about Trump and you're a good candidate because the people liked candidates like that. They liked Trump because he fought. That's all you need to do. All the GOP needs to do to continue this steamroll of success that they saw on Tuesday was to actually just fight back. Stop listening to the mainstream media. Stop listening to lobbyists on K Street. Start listening to actual voters and shock they'll vote for you. Yeah. Is it also anyone that's trying to talk about the election, especially the young can win. All politics has to take into account that this is the year of our Lord 2021 and not a micro microcosm. Mm -hmm. There is a large swath of the country that voted for Donald Trump the first time. Then they watched all four years of Trump and the madness that ensued. Then another huge, another large group of people voted for Donald Trump the second time and watched all the madness that has ensued since. If you were a, this was my analysis of the 2016 election or the 2020 election, pardon me. My analysis of the 2020 election was nobody in the country who voted for Donald Trump has changed their mind. And if anything, a lot of people have changed their mind because of the madness that has happened through the country, throughout the country. And I feel the same thing now. Why did Glenn Jumpkin win? Because that many people are so turned off by what they've seen from the Democrats over the last five years that people are either willing to come out and vote in larger numbers against them or people are willing to not vote for the Democrat and vote for the Republican. I think more people are just coming out to vote and make sure a Democrat doesn't win than are necessarily switching sides. But that is the that's a integral part of the calculation that a lot of may say mainstream GOP commentators seem to intentionally leave out mm-hmm. is the Trump years changed the country the re, the left's reaction to the to Trump Trump himself like all of this was a profound impact on national discourse within the country it unveiled the sheer level of corruption and nep- nepotism and just arrogance of the media, of the Democrat Party, of the deep state, of all of these different activist groups. It uncovered, we saw in real time over the last five years that all of these groups are working together to in, with an intense level of hatred for the rest of us. And so anymore, you'd say, well, Donald Trump didn't do the election. It's like, it doesn't matter what Trump does or doesn't do. You have to at least admit that the Donald Trump presidency was incredibly popular with his voters and people are happy to align with all of that if it means democrats losing Mm -hmm. and i think that that is and, and because at the end of the day what it is is a lot of the mainstream gop wants us to forget about the trump years they want to forget what it's like to have a president that opposes these things, and they want to go back to the status quo. And the status quo is the left winning and winning and winning and the right doing nothing about it. That is what a lot of the 
mainstream conservative commentators and even libertarian commentators want us to go back to, where everyone on the right is nice and polite and the left wins everything. That is not what we want anymore. That's not what voters want. It's not what normal people want. We want to push back and roll. We want to roll back the wins the left has gained over the past 50 years. We won't want that. We don't want them to win. We don't want them to push the country in the direction they're going. That was what made Donald Trump win in 2016. And it is what is making Glenn Youngkin win now. And all of that is outside the box of what the mainstream GOP and conservative movement trademark want us to be. They want us to be just the, they want to be the party that voices opposition but doesn't do anything because that's hard and they might get called racist. Well, the, and, the, re, the reality is, yeah. is the establishment GOP wants to get as far away from populist politics as humanly possible because they're fucking terrible at it. And the reason why yeah. they're terrible at it is their funding doesn't come from that. Mm-hmm. Voters being concerned about schools doesn't serve giant lobbying firms that are going, no, your concern needs to be whether we can offshore all of this manufacturing for an extra 2% of profit. Yeah. Like, oh, God, if we're actually listening to middle America, people aren't going to allow me to open a steel factory in China. Yeah, exactly. It's essentially the globalist, the conservative globalists or whatever, the neocons. They're all globalists, just like the left. They want more globalism, but they want lower corporate taxes while we do it. Those are the people that basically hijacked the conservative movement in the 90s and up until Trump. And Trump represents a repudiation of that globalist strain of the neocon movement. And that is what and because that because all that that global the left wins globalism every time. And so it's just it was essentially done by greed. There was no reason for all the globalist nonsense of the neocons except pure greed. Why do we send all the all the manufacturing to China? Why do we open up trade with all these countries? Why do we have all of these policies like NAFTA and these things? Because it made money for the people that donated to the conservative movement, but it was bad for Americans. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. It was just greed from the donor class. And the, and Trump is a repudiation of that, where people are like, I want to stop making money for people that hate me and, and don't like me, and I want to stop doing things that are a negative to my life and the future of my country. I want to live in a country with a future that takes itself seriously, that wants to be successful and, and cares about itself, and I'm tired of selling out to every globalist enterprise, and I'm tired of the left trying to twist the culture into some horrifying like, new world order simulacrum. Like I ju- and I think that's, that's why people voted for Glenn Youngkin because the left is insane and the conservative movement does nothing. And he just basically said, I'm not going to be the insane candidate. Well, I'm going to be the sane candidate. And everyone went, I want that. That's all. That's all it is. I want that guy. I want the guy that's going to be sane and is not going to cave to the bad guys. I want the guy that's going to be sane and protect me from the bad guys. That's the same reason why I think I looked at Trump and was like, this guy doesn't seem like a, like a shitty politician, and he seems like he'll actually fight to make good things happen. Can you uh, do the me end. a favor? Uh, people are saying that there's a good amount of static on your line. I'm not exactly hearing it, so maybe I'm crazy. Maybe um, 
I'll fiddle with connectors. How about yeah, that? What about now? Fiddle with your cable real fiddle quick, and then maybe pull the uh, volume down a bit. Maybe it's just popping too much. But on yeah. that point, um, with, with the with that being said, one of one of the things that we need to um, also uh, kind of address is how the stuff is being approached. Um, I'm going to mess around with Alan's connection as well. So hopefully it doesn't explode. Um, just to see if we can get a cleaner signal for it. Um, but, um, no, the, the main thing here is the, the left's reaction to, uh, Glenn Youngkin winning and, and, and overall, uh, the, the overall statements on it is crazy because their new form is to say that your problems aren't real. It's a hundred percent. Your problems aren't real. They said that CR, this is the weirdest thing too. So CRT apparently is not taught in schools according to the left, except it's racist to talk about not having it. Uh, those, those are coming from the same people. Now, similarly, uh, there's no inflation. There's no crime. There's no supply chain issues. None of this is real. That, that is the new stance of the Democrat party after getting absolutely slaughtered in this election on Tuesday is Americans have fake problems. Right. No. Okay. Give examples. So uh, a, g- a good example. Well, the CRT thing was all Tuesday. Uh, there's, and this this is one of those things about just the lying media who lies all the time. You can go onto the Virginia Department of Education's website. You can literally see discussions about critical race theory in the curriculum. Yet the entire mainstream media claimed that there was there that CRT is not even taught in schools. They say, oh, that's a thing that's taught in law schools. It's not taught in schools. Okay, fine. Um, let's just let's let's just get to brass tacks here. <coughs> you can call it CRT. You can call it whatever you want. What we know it is is the fact that it is absolutely a fact that in schools children are taught that. Some people are victims and some people are oppressors due to the color of their skin. Every child in American schools is taught that if you are white, you are a bad person and you are basically subject to blood libel because at some point America did bad things. No, America did bad things. White people did bad things. It basically is. It is the logical conclusion of everything that we learned when we were in school and what has been going on in education for the last few decades. Think about Columbus Day, for example. Oh, it's White Colonizer Day for the evils of Columbus. How how many how long ago did you start hearing that be parroted? I know I've heard I heard that a long time ago. I've been hearing that for a while is trying to celebrate Columbus Day. It's ah, White Colonizer Day. Same with Thanksgiving. For how long have we been hearing People talk about like, oh, Thanksgiving, you mean the day that that we celebrate the death of indigenous peoples? So the this strain 
of thinking in education is a long time coming. And it is only now becoming so pervasive that we're now doing something about it. But right. this is not just like a new thing. It's just education has, has been constantly under pressure to twist people into this progressive anti-white uh, kind of pro-diversity hate mob. It's been happening for a very long time. The meme of the college student like the, that goes away to college and then comes back to argue with her uncle over Thanksgiving about how evil and oppressive and white everything is, that's been a meme that, that's been something we've thought about for a while. It's been in the culture for a while. It's to the point where you would say it's now a meme that we that we talk about. So it's it's finally reaching the point and it's becoming institutionalized in the curriculum to the level that parents are finally starting to take action. And the reaction from the left to say that, no, that's not happening. No, this is not happening. A CRT isn't real, betrays how much it is real and how much they want to make sure they keep indoctrinating people into their cult. Right. And it shows that there is 100% a threat to their stance like if your reaction has to be uh th this isn't a real thing it's all a lie uh that's very suggestive um mm -hmm. that you're uh not <laughs> like <laughs> that that's not good for you right well and here's a good example okay if someone's like well this whole CRT thing is is not real and it's just made up nonsense oh okay well then why do should so then why do schools celebrate indigenous people's day and not columbus day Oh, so like the so institutional racism isn't real. Oh, okay, so you know, like we don't have to care about like we don't we can call them Indians instead of Native Americans. Like all of that is essentially basically just CRT, but it's the it's proto CRT. Right. CRT is simply the name for those thoughts that have became institutionalized in a curriculum sense. But CRT, like critical race theory. The actual theory that upon which it is based is the core of leftist ideology. It is based on haves versus have-nots. It is based on re racial revenge. And it has been something that has been plaguing our society as an undercurrent for the last few decades. Even in the 90s, this same undercurrent of thought was present everywhere. And it is only now that it has become so institutionalized that we have to take action. So then they say it's not real. You're like, no, no, no. It's it's not real. <laughs> That's just a complete and utter fabrication. When you can say it's not real, you just point to anything in the last 50 years and be like, okay, well, trying to get rid of all these holidays, trying to topple all these statues, like all the crazy race baiting and like racial revenge stuff that goes on. All of that is CRT as well. It doesn't none of that happens without this sort of idea being taught in American institutions. Right, exactly. And and, and and that's the whole thing is that's what people are upset about, which is why right. they had to. I mean, it does get defined as critical race theory because it, it that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Like it it is that now it, it's the normal dumb straw man that the left consistently does. Which is, they sit there and they go, oh, um, they're calling it critical race theory, so we're going to go, oh, well, that's not actually what's being taught because technically it's blah, blah. And it's like, 
you all know what we're talking about. You're denying that it exists because it's bad for you. And that's just the reality of it. Like, Mm -hmm. that is just the reality that it doesn't work out well for the Democrats because because Americans don't accept that. They don't want to live in that country. But it's just such a... There's something to be said, not just for the CRT thing, right? So we saw another example where there was a weird story about a family um, that was interviewed by Fox. And they were talking about the increase of cost of groceries, Mm -hmm. Um, just in a general sense. Now, this is like a family of like 11. So edge case, right? Not everybody has a family of 11, but they were showing the effect of like, yeah, the grocery prices have increased, which is undeniable. Grocery prices have absolutely increased all across this country. Things are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. Meat is more expensive. This has been well-documented by regular people. But Mm -hmm. because Fox News picked an edge case, because they had this family of 11 people that said that they bought 12, they buy 12 gallons of milk a month, instead of even discussing the problem, which is that The economic policies of the Biden administration have led to the fact that everything is more expensive. Inflation has caused an insane increase of basic goods for Americans. The fact that gas has incredibly increased, which has a disproportionate effect, especially on low-income Americans and working, you know, middle-class Americans. All of these things (coughs) are having a negative effect on the daily lives of everyday Americans, the Democrats' reaction is, oh, who buys 12 gallons of milk? Oh my God, this is so fake and lame. Right. But it's because they don't want to talk about the fact that everything is, in fact, more expensive. That's undeniable. Exactly. And it's more I mean, expensive I've... because the Democrats. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think what they're pointing at here is they're trying to distract by saying well it's only like honestly things have only gone up a dollar or two mm-hmm. that's not that much for any one individual item but on moss and over time that is a going to be a significant expenditure in grocery bills compared to what it used to be and i think as a way to distract they kind of want to they, they don't want people thinking about this because it is their policies specifically which have ended up with all the supply chain issues and all of the coming increasingly increasing food shortages. Here's a rather terrifying uh, fact that I think everyone should know about the cost of fertilizer on an agricultural scale. So an industrial fertilizer for agriculture is something like 500% of normal. The cost of fertilizer for farmers is staggeringly higher than it has ever been. And that's a big problem because that means either they're going to buy less and grow less food or they're going to spend more to grow the same amount of food. So in the next year, with this whole crop season, there could be – it's either going to be massively more expensive or massively less bountiful, which is going to – either one of those things will drive up the cost of food and drive down the availability. We're just getting started with the – crazy impact that's going to have in the economy on companies. It's like, it's like buckle up because things might get real weird here in the next year. Everything is going to get thrown up. Like this is the dumbest example, but bear with me. Pasta there. Think about like that kind, that one type of pasta that you like 
that has the right shape you like. Really simple. But that pasta company has to buy flour from somebody. If the flour gets more expensive, or maybe they can't even get it. It's like, oh, yeah, they got outbid on the fl on flour being provided by certain agricultural concerns by a bread company. So now it's just like that, that company that makes pasta might just be like, well, we're out of business now. There's not enough flour because there's not enough wheat because there's not enough fertilizer. And we could start seeing a bunch of crazy things happening like that. Because what is the downstream ramifications to the rest of the economy, to the rest of the supply chain, to the rest of all of the things that we rely on to make our world run that used to be a very well-organized and well-run system? And then the Democrats, through their policies over the last, essentially, year, totally screwed it up. And it's, it's not just the COVID lockdowns, which were a big problem in themselves. It's things that, like... California mandating all trucks have to be super eco-friendly. So now there's no truck driving in California, which is a major, major port of entry. And so that causes huge rippling effects. It's all these brand new regulations on farmers and how farming is, is organized and agriculture that the Democrats are pushing through, which are going to cause more, again, rapid, huge ripple effects going outward. Now, all of these things might be small in a microcosm, but together there's putting stresses on a system that was never meant to be stressed in these ways. And the cascade of failures from one point outward is going to be huge. So, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get through it, but just prepare yourselves now for in the future, even bigger disruptions to quality of life than we have seen up to this point probably since the 70s gas crisis. Like, that's the last time I think anybody remembers real serious um, degradation to the quality of life infrastructure in the United States. And now we're going to see a repeat of that that might even be worse because it's going to affect way more than just gas. Right. And and, and to that point, um, that that's what's amazing is, is uh, we got the wonderful response from uh, Joe Biden claiming that uh, nobody understands the supply chain. So so well, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. That was that was a that was a quote from Joe Biden. Uh, he said that uh, he was somewhat chiding uh, the press. And but the it, once again, like I said, this is this is a pattern now we're seeing it. Um, and it was that the media doesn't understand the supply chain. And therefore, Americans don't understand the supply chain. So, like, th this was the, uh, th this is from Yahoo News here. Uh, it says, uh, President Biden appeared to mock the intelligence of the American people on Saturday when discussing the nation's ongoing supply chain crisis, questioning whether they'd understand the topic. The president's remarks came during a news conference as he answered a question from a reporter on criticism he faced from Representative Abigail Spamberger, Democrat of Virginia, who said nobody elected him to be FDR. They elected him to be normal and stop the chaos. Quote, mm -hmm. I don't in, I don't intend to be anybody but Joe Biden. That's who I am, Biden said. What I'm trying to do is do the things I ran on to do. And look, and look, people out there are ordinary, hardworking Americans who have been put through the ringer the last couple of years. People are worried, Biden added, suggesting that people don't understand, quote, why, uh, don't understand why, quote, the price of agricultural, agricultural products have, in, has increased. Th quote, if, 
we were all going to ha- going out and having lunch together. And I said, let's ask whoever's in the next table, no matter what restaurant we're in and have them explain the supply chain to us. Do you think they'd understand what we're talking about? You're the president. <coughs> yeah, it's you're the president of the United States with an infinite number of advisors. You can literally co- probably call up any expert and have him explain it to you. Well, your no, no. job is to explain it to me. Like it, it's not you're that... in charge of this country. Like explain to me what the problem is with the supply chain. Don't just go like, oh, the great God of supply hath not shined on us favorably. We must sacrifice more towards the great, to more towards green energy, and then the God of supply may see fit to reduce the price of groceries. Like, yeah, what? They, it, this appears to be the new tactic of the Democrats, which is you're too stupid to understand the supply chain. And, and to be honest, what what this is is this is feed uh, to their Democrat base. It is, oh, now when you hear conservatives accurately explain that there is a problem with the supply chain and it's based on Democrat policies, they they learned this like during the COVID, the whole thing with COVID-19. I mean, they've been doing this for decades now, but it was extremely successful with COVID-19. Regular Americans looked and said, none of your policies make sense to the actual like level of issue of coronavirus. Like it is not as threatening as the policies that you're enacting seem to suggest. And their response is, are you a doctor? Then sit down, shut up. Don't talk. You don't understand. You're too dumb. And they've decided that that is going to be their entire campaign. Oh, there's mm-hmm. supply chain issues in the United States. You are like, there are empty grocery sell- shelves at your local supermarket. Well, you're too stupid to understand the supply chain. So shut up. Uh, and the whole thing is the reason they're doing this is because at the end of the day, they are entirely responsible for all of these problems. They're res- they, they are responsible for all the COVID nonsense. They're responsible for all the supply chain nonsense and any real investigation into these issues will come away with, with the fact that they're essentially causing these problems for political gain. Mm -hmm. And all of this could just be undone very easily. COVID could, all the COVID mandates, all this bullshit could go away tomorrow if they wanted it to We're it's, it's totally fake. It's like not to say, Oh, there, maybe there's some virus. All the COVID issues could go away tomorrow and nobody would notice because it it just doesn't actually, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Same with the supply chain. If we just change all of these policies, it could probably get back on track relatively easy. And the reason they don't want to discuss it is they would have to admit that they intentionally caused these problems with their policies for their own benefit. Yeah. Well, and- and, and and that's exactly it is I'm just, it's very, uh, as, as you said on our, our, on our phone call last night, like we, we don't want to leave out the potential that they're just dumb, mm-hmm. but it is exceedingly concerning that 
there is no worry from the Democrat Party that they can call a huge swath of them that they, they that they that their stance can just be your problems are fake and you're an idiot for thinking that they're real that suggests to me that the democrat party is either completely inept which is a strong possibility or uh that they're not concerned about voters their their path yeah. to victory does not involve a voting public yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's what worries me. Is it worries me that they're essentially lying so blatantly to us that they feel like they can get away with it. And I and I don't see how they can get away with it, but the fact that they feel that way makes me nervous. Yeah, no, I mean it as it should. <laughs> mm-hmm. But to to another point of um, the insanity, because, you know, a lot of this sort of wraps around the fact that, you know, the media is entirely complicit in this. Um, totally. And the uh, complicity of the media. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Durham. So yeah, sure. John Durham has been the promise that never get that that never came to fruition. <laughs> um, I got I. I Full disclosure, I got tired of waiting on John Durham to unearth um, the Trump-Russia collusion BS for a very long time. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to be too much of a jerk about this, but I've seen several people get very upset. Several, sorry, several content creators and uh, media types on the conservative movement get kind of pissed off because they're reporting this breaking story about an indictment. Uh, and the reaction from everyone on the right is, yeah, we knew. Right. And, but that does need to be acknowledged. Like, I get it. I, I, I do feel a little bit bad for a lot of these reporters because they've been reporting on it. People have been talking about it and now they have something tangible, but what are you giving people on the right? And let me explain. Um, an indictment came out from the investigation by John Durham looking into the origins of the Steele dossier and the Trump-Russia collusion narrative. And this indictment is <clears throat> on a gentleman named Igor Dushenko. And Igor Dushenko is a guy who worked for the liberal Brookings Institute mm-hmm. uh, and had actually been previously investigated by the FBI uh, back in, I believe it was 2009, when he tried to get uh, members that were going into the Obama administration to give him classified information. The FBI investigated him, but then dropped the investigation because they believed that he went to Moscow. Now, Igor Dushenko happens to be the primary source for the entire Steele dossier. Hooray. He's a Russian national that worked for the liberal Brookings Institute. And he happened to be the primary source for the Steele dossier. And the FBI are according, <coughs> sorry, according to the indictment, uh, he lied about everything. 
He just made a bunch of stuff up. He lied about the PP tape. He lied about the uh, banking uh, connections. He just made it all up. But it gets more strange than that. The reason why it gets more strange is there was a connection with a public relations guy by the name of Charles Dano who worked for the Clinton campaign. Awesome. So this, this is what's, this is what's fascinating is Charles Dano uh, was part of Bill Clinton's campaign in 92 and 96. He also worked at the state department. (coughs) Sorry, I keep coughing. Um, He worked at the state department. He worked at the State Department while Hillary Clinton was the Secretary of State. He happened to specialize in Russia. In fact, he worked at the embassy and had regular communication to the embassy in Moscow. This guy hired Dechenko to basically give information. And this guy, Charles Dano, was feeding information to Dechenko. Dechenko was then feeding information to the FBI. Now, the claims that people are making right now is that this Charles Dano said things to Dechenko and then Dechenko embellished them. For example, Dechenko claimed that he made the PP tape claim to Christopher Steele. And he doubled down on that claim um, to the FBI. And it turned out to be false. What actually happened was this Charles Dano character, who, you know, is a public relations guy for the Clintons, went to the embassy hotel in Moscow, got a tour of the presidential suite in this hotel in October, told Dechenko about it, and then Dechenko told Christopher Steele about Donald Trump spending the night in the presidential suite at the embassy hotel in Moscow hiring hookers who then peed on the uh who then peed on the bed because the Obamas stayed there. Now what we're supposed to believe from media things is that Trump or I'm sorry is that Dechenko made the whole thing up. But that's asking me to believe that somebody who works for the Clinton campaign would not have been feeding false information to Christopher Steele or what have you. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is the connections here. You have Fusion GPS, who was hired by the same law firm that was representing the Clinton campaign. That's Perkins Coie. You have Charles Dano, who was a public relations guy uh, that had contacts in Russia, that worked for the State Department under Hillary Clinton, that worked for the Clinton campaign in 92 and 96, seemingly who then hired Dechenko, who then lied to Christopher Steele. All of this, I think it's more reasonable to suggest that this PR guy at the behest of the Clintons was 100% running everything to the Clinton campaign and was feeding it to, to Duchenko as a cutout who was then feeding it to Steele, 
who was tasked with Fusion GPS to create a dossier that was all bullshit to then feed to the media. That makes way more yeah. sense than random Russian dude just lied to everybody and is now indicted. Like, oh, yeah. no, Charles Dano didn't do nothing. He he was perfectly fine. He was just talking to this Dechenko guy, and this Dechenko guy just made a bunch of stuff up. That's <laughs> the buried lead. That's the part nobody's talking about. I think it's pretty obvious that you have a high-level PR guy for the Clintons that's talking to this dude who's then lying to, who's then making up a bunch of stuff to Christopher Steele, who's basically hired by the Clintons as well. It's a bunch of cutouts, man. It's like a money laundering scheme. Yeah. <laughs> they pass the information through a bunch of hands to distance themselves. All of this was an operation by the Clinton campaign, which yes, everybody on the right goes, of course it was. And so exactly. I, I understand. I know it's frustrating, but like, I don't care about the indictments, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I care that they exist. I think it's great. I just, I, I care about the end result. I, I'm not going to get excited over this stuff until I see people actually going to jail. And it needs to be the right people. Not like we already have a Clinton lawyer, Michael Sussman, who's been indicted. We now have Igor Dushenko, who's now been indicted. I want to see people actually going to jail because they lied to us for five years. Right. There's also the, the fact that clearly if they were able to do this, then they, then the Department of Justice, a lot of these groups are compromised at some level. Mm -hmm. If they were able to lie like that and not get caught, they were using the bureaucracy to do it, which means the bureaucracy is compromised somehow. And that makes me feel like, well, even if they do all these indictments, will the same kind of slimy deep state characters, which do exist... That's why this was able to go through. Will those same people leverage their power to ensure that nobody faces negative ramifications? Well, and you have to understand something. There's there's a very um, specific kind of thread that you're pulling here. Mm -hmm. The FBI, uh, the, the indictment. Now, it's not from the FBI. The indictment is is from uh, uh, Durham against mm -hmm. Tachanko for lying to the FBI. Those right. lies were then used to get a FISA warrant yeah, against an American citizen. to violate the rights of an American citizen. The FBI did no check. They didn't yeah. look into it. Dechenko was never even at the hotel. Mm -hmm. So if the FBI is willing to do that for those reasons, what else, what, what, what wouldn't they do? Well, there's another part to this, too. I mean, that that that's a very good statement, and I don't want to just gloss over it. Like, what else, like, what wouldn't they do? Because this very much paints the picture of a politicized FBI who didn't care to check because it already met their uh, goal. Because they wanted it to. They, they didn't care <laughs> right. to check because they, they wanted it to be true. Because if it was, if they checked, it me would mean they wouldn't do what their political masters were wanted them to do. Exactly. So they didn't check because it was more important to do what their political friends wanted them to do than it was to uphold the law. And to the to the other point on that, none of this would have been revealed. Think about that for a second. Dechenko lied yeah. to the FBI. 
it would appear that at some point the FBI actually did realize that it was a lie in 2017. They did realize there, there, there are indications within this indictment that people like Mueller and people like Comey and McCabe knew that they were lied to in 2017, but they still continued to do this investigation. Yeah. If Donald Trump didn't appoint, well, Donald Trump through Bill Barr, what have you, didn't appoint this prosecutor to look into the origins of this, nothing would have happened. Nothing. This guy would have lied to the FBI and it would be 2021 and no one would know about it. Yeah. Interesting. If if we didn't have Durham looking into this right now, it would have just gone away. The only reason why anything is coming out is because there's one guy investigating it because the FBI understand. I, I just, I can't, I can't stress this enough. The FBI is not charging Deshenko with lying. This is a prosecutor who was given the task of looking into the origins of the Trump Russia collusion lie. The FBI is not charging anyone with lying to them. The FBI is not charging Michael Sussman for lying to them. The FBI is not charging Igor Deshenko for lying to them at all. This is a prosecutor who was basically told by Trump to figure out where this BS came from. If that had not happened, nobody in the United States of America would know that the Federal Bureau of Investigation violated the rights of a U.S. citizen to spy on a presidential campaign based on a lie that was entirely funded by by the Clintons. Right. So the only reason why we know any of this is because Donald Trump appointed a guy to look into it, which at the time was looked at as political nonsense. Understand this. Here's the problem because I'm not, I'm not trying to be completely unfair to good conservatives out there, but people, there, there are a lot of conservatives that likely, I haven't looked into it, but likely made the case that getting John Durham in to look into Trump, Russia collusion, blah, 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 was just more politicizing of the department of justice because that is an accurate claim. Mm Mm-hmm. Like Donald Trump goes, a bunch of people lied about me. This was a stupid investigation. I'm going to go after the people who did this. That's politicizing of the Department of Justice, right? Yeah. But that's literally the only way that we have tangible evidence that the Federal Bureau, the Federal Bureau of Investigation is a weapon of the Democrat Party. Right. And this just goes to the example of you have to understand the world that you're in, not the world that you want. Mm-hmm. Because there are going to be plenty of conservatives that are going to consistently make the argument of we shouldn't be petty. We shouldn't be vengeful. We should just we should get into office and then we should make everything cuddly and fun. What that we equates to. Yeah, what that equates to is. Us never 
getting to the core of this kind of corruption. There, be, Because we just saw a victory, this, this is my biggest worry about these Tuesday victories, is that there's going to be so many Republicans in there who go, come on, guys, let's not seem like we're petty. Let's not go after the people who lied. Oh, geez. Let's just be cuddly and bipartisan. Is it means that the people get away with these absolute crimes. Yep. The Democrat Party of Virginia staged a false flag. Yes, I want Glenn Youngkin to go after them for that. Yeah. But your cuddly, squish, dumbass conservatives are going to sit there and go, well, oh, geez, that's so petty. Oh, gosh, we're fighting just like the libs. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem and we I should have. be. Yeah, we cannot do that. We We cannot cave to... We can't cave to this idea that just because the GOP gets some victories, everything's going to go back to normal. You, like Alan said earlier, 50 years of progressive politics has to be rolled back. You cannot do that by just sitting in the chair. Right. Now, to the point of the weaponization of the FBI. This week, the FBI raided the offices and homes of journalists affiliated with Project Veritas to include the home of James O'Keefe. And this story is wild. The entire reason for this raid, as far as what I'm seeing reported, is because Project Veritas may have been in possession of Joe Biden's Joe Biden's daughter's diary. Hmm. Definitely seems like a something that federal level law enforcement is absolutely within their jurisdiction <laughs> to deal with. <laughs> like that's that's weird. So yeah. a- a- Ashley Biden, Joe Biden's daughter, um, purportedly her diary was either found or received, acquired, acquired possibly illegally. Who the hell knows? Um, yeah, this is what's crazy. I had never heard about this before. I never heard anything about Joe Biden's daughter's diary. But supposedly okay. this was somewhat of a story back in October, but it was somewhat there. There's a, there's a website called national file that ran a story in October of 2020 showing, uh, some excerpts from a diary, uh, purportedly from Ashley Biden claiming that there was, that she had inappropriate showers with Joe Biden um, and that they, she had trauma from molestation uh, with her uh, with molestation that occurred as her and uh, purportedly her cousin Carolyn as the victims. But there was no further information. Those were just the couple of clips that were run. Um, but this didn't get a lot of traction. It's 
very strange because, well, one, I hadn't heard about it. It wasn't very splashy. It wasn't that big mm-hmm. of a deal. What's the most notable is that they is is that they sent the FBI on a raid this week. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Well, so is it possible that originally people had this diary and said, "Wow, this is the contents of this are very damning." There's no way, like, if we're going to publish this, we have to be rock solid that this is true. Like, so the from what I've gleaned with this National File article is that. A whistleblower shared this information with the national file because the news agency, which I guess we're assuming is Project Veritas, uh, was being told not to release the information because there was another news story coming out, which would be the Hunter Biden laptop story. Right. So, okay. Now I can see some rationale there because I'm going to be honest. I'm not, this isn't a dig against anybody. It's just that having a, reading a girl's diary in public is frowned upon no matter what the situation is. Right. Like you just, that's just not a thing. That's like every, every movie has the embarrassing situation where somebody's reading a girl's diary. So I can totally see where people are like, okay, yeah, but I don't care what it says. This is just not, you just kind of don't do that. Right. Uh I mean, unless it's a politician with allegations of sexual abuse and then it's I think it's totally viable. Well, 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 hang on here because there's a point. Yes, I can see where Project Veritas is like, okay, there's a lot of stuff in here. This um, diary was purportedly written recently. So. You know, this is her, I don't know, maybe it's part of therapy or some other weird thing. Who who the hell knows? But this was written recently. It has a bunch of stuff about her taking, like, taking showers with Joe Biden, which, as uh-huh. she looks back now, were inappropriate. And then her talking about trauma from molestation. Sure. That occurred in her childhood. Okay. I can see where Veritas goes, all right, this is, like you were saying, this is big, but it's really hard to corroborate. Like, right. uh, maybe we don't touch it. Because it, it feels very unseemly when we can't cooperate any of it. That all makes perfect sense. I, I can understand at that time them going, you know what? We're going to spike this for now. Right. But sure. now that you place that with the FBI raiding offices. Yeah. Over this. Well, now you've basically validated it. Because why the hell does the F- why is the FBI involved at all? Even okay, even if Project Veritas stole this, right? Even if James O'Keefe himself, black clad in a tactile neck, you know, stalked into Ashley Biden's home and stole the diary from under her bed, where's the FBI get involved in that? Yeah, where is their jurisdiction part of this? The FBI raiding Project Veritas on a warrant. Over this diary? 
validates, like, I don't know about you, but I think for the American public, that basically puts them in the position of, oh, so the allegations of molestation are true? Yeah. Yeah, so basically. And there is another part here. Screw Joe Biden. (laughs) I mean, mean, if, if you had this, would you really sit there and be like, well, I mean... He's a vile communist who's helping to deliver our country into the clutches of the evil new world order that wants to destroy everything good in the world. But, I mean, it would be unseemly for me to, you know, publish something that embarrasses him and destroys the credibility of basically the evil bad guys. I think there's a case to be made for, uh, screw those people and anything we can do to destroy and damage them before they achieve their paradigm of ultimate control that traps us in a totalitarian hellscape might be worth it. So I don't know. There's part of me that definitely feels like the conservative movement or the right wing movement or whoever, essentially the opposition to the new world order essentially has this catch on being like, well, I, I mean, I definitely want to oppose the like, Satan worshiping pedophiles that fill our government, but I mean, I don't want to do something morally unseemly while we do it. Like, I don't know. That just seems like a weird purity spiral thing to get hung up on. It's like, do you really care that Joe Biden is the president and the Democrats are doing all these bad things that might permanently like change our country for the worst? But you care only care so much as long as it doesn't, you know, well, as long as you don't have to do something kind of mean. To stop them, that'd be that'd be mean. That'd be bad. Because you know they would have absolutely. Think, look at the whole RussiaGate thing. They had absolutely no problem publishing absolute lies as true if it embarrassed their political opponents and destroyed their credibility. They're willing to do that to us. There's at least a point where you kind of want to say, you know, playing nice and playing fair all the time might not necessarily be the best route to victory. Now. This is what's so weird about the story. So James O'Keefe, there's been a lot of statements because like it started as a Project Veritas journalist got investigated or or got raided, but then it's Mm -hmm. like it snowballed. So according to James O'Keefe, he says it appears the Southern District of New York now has journalists in their sights for the supposed crime of doing their jobs lawfully and honestly. Or at least this journalist. I had to think long and hard before making this statement. It's a decision that I can, that only I can make. They don't want me to defend myself and immediately try to silence me. That's why the cover letter for the grand jury subpoena we received contains this language. Quote, the government hereby requests that you voluntarily refrain (coughs) from disclosing (coughs) the existence of the subpoena to any third party. While you are under no obligation to comply with our request, we are requesting you not make any disclosure in order to preserve the confidentiality of the investigation and because disclosure of the existence of this investigation might interfere with and impede the investigation. That's a very interesting phrase to put because it opens you up to if you disclose that the government is persecuting you as a journalist, they now have the ability to turn around and say, you obstructed justice. Hmm. Think about that, especially the existence or sorry, um, 
preserve the confidentiality of the investigation and because disclosure of the existence of this investigation might interfere with and impede the investigation. That is a line that is very specific in there to where James O'Keefe defending himself, they can then use against him and say that he obstructed justice. Right. Now, he goes on, but while the Department of Justice requested us not to disclose the existence of the subpoena, something very unusual happened. Within an hour of one of our reporters' homes being secretly raided by the FBI, the New York Times, who we are currently suing for defamation, contacted the Project Veritas reporter for comment. We do not know how the New York Times was aware of the execution of a search warrant at our reporter's home or the subject matter of the search warrant as a grand jury investigation is secret. Okay. Hmm. So the New York Times knew not just that this reporter's home was raided, but also the subject of the warrant that's supposed to be under seal. In other words, the Department of Justice leaked the goddamn warrant to the New York Times. Interesting. It goes on. So, essentially, (coughs) this is the government and uh, media colluding together to prevent, essentially, criticism of government. Yep. It goes on. The FBI took materials of current and former Veritas journalists, despite the fact that our legal team previously contacted the Department of Justice and voluntarily conveyed unassailable facts that demonstrate Project Veritas's lack of involvement in criminal activity and or criminal intent. Like any reporter, we regularly deal with the receipt of source information and take steps to verify its authenticity, legality, and newsworthiness. Our efforts were the stuff of responsible ethical journalism, and we are in no doubt that Project Veritas has acted properly uh, to each and every step. Now, the raid is involved, uh, like, uh, the raid has something to do with, it seems to be confirmed, that it was publications of this diary in the national file. And according to Mm -hmm. James O'Keefe, he says, late last year, we were approached by tipsters claiming that they had a copy of Ashley Biden's diary. We had never met or heard of the tipsters. The tipsters indicated that the diary had been abandoned in a room in which Miss Biden stayed at the time and in which the tipsters stayed in temporarily after Miss Biden departed the room. The tipsters indicated that the diary included explosive allegations against then-candidate Joe Biden. The tipsters indicated yeah. that they were negotiating with a different media outlet for the payment of monies for the diary. The tipsters were represented by attorneys who handled the negotiations with Project Veritas. We investigated the claims provided to us, as journalists do. We took steps to corroborate the authenticity of the diary. At the end of the day, we made the ethical decision that because, in part, we could not determine if the diary was real, if the diary, in fact, belonged to Ashley Biden, or if the contents of the diary occurred, we could not publish the diary at any part or any part thereof. We attempted yeah. to return the diary to an attorney representing Ms. Biden, but the attorney refused to auth- uh, authenticate it. Project Veritas gave oh, the diary to law. Yeah, hang on. Project Veritas then gave the diary to law enforcement to ensure it could be returned to its rightful owner. We never published it. 
So why did they do these raids? <clears throat> That's interesting. Yeah. No, what, what's interesting... So before hearing that, I had thought that they had this diary just under lock and key. Cause like, well, we don't know what to do with this thing. If it's real, it's huge. If it's, But it might not be so... We're going to be... I didn't know that, like, so they're telling me, so here's, here's what, you, what the story is. They had, they found this diary. They were unable to authenticate it. They didn't want to use it. They tra- tried to return it to the Biden, Ashley Biden, who I'm sure then notified all the slimy creatures in the administration that this is, they in fact had it. They then returned it to law enforcement so they didn't have it anymore. So what was this raid for then? Like, were they trying to find copies of the diary like well they might have made a copy of it so we got to do this raid to ensure that that none of this could ever leak out it's like well if they already returned it like you think that you that would be the story if this ever leaked you'd say like project veritas was unable to authenticate this diary that's why they gave it away to law enforcement none of these allegations are are true you'd have perfect cover to say none of this is true even the people that found it returned it to law enforcement saying that it was impossible to verify so what was the raid for? Was it simply just punishment? Because they will do that. Was the raid, all these raids, simply a way to punish the people that had the temerity of investigating the administration on the flimsy pretext of this diary? Well, so in that that's that's the interesting thing here, right? It's Project Veritas. This makes no sense because they purportedly handed the uh, diary over. But Project Veritas also regularly is investigating and releasing information with regards to uh, the Biden administration and also have recently been putting out several different uh, several, several different clips of people involved with pharmaceutical companies involved in pushing out these vaccines where they've talked about all sorts of things to include like people who have gotten very sick during clinical trials, clinical trials being um, basically screwed with Uh, the fact that like, I mean, there's a lot of information that they're getting from leaks and from uh, what's the term whistleblowers uh, involved with the rollout of these vaccines. So is this just a flimsy pretext? Because by the way, this is all pushed through through the once again the Southern District of New York, which is the same mm. area and attorneys that were doing everything from raiding the the Trump offices to try to get uh, his tax information. Uh, the same people who yeah. levied uh, indictments and arrested Paul Manafort and anybody else that was involved in Trumpland. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I could be corrected here. But I thought that the Southern District of New York were the people that were investigating. Uh, um, oh shoot, what's the Stone? Roger, Roger Stone? Stone. Yeah. Uh, well, here's an, another thing potentially. <clears throat> what if none of this is related to the diary, and the diary was just a pretext to get the raid, and the raid was for something else? Like Project Veritas has is a has Project Veritas gets a lot of publishes a lot of stories and gets and collects a lot of material. Indeed. What if they were onto a story that was much more inflammatory and this diary was simply a pretext to raid their offices and destroy evidence of that story, which is much worse than this diary? Well, like and- you talked about all the vaccine stuff. What if Project Veritas has quietly been 
collecting material on these vaccines and is prepared to essentially publish a bombshell report that will destroy the credibility of these vaccines and this vaccine effort. And we know how it's we know how important this vaccine effort is to the regime. They will stop at nothing to they will seemingly stop at nothing and say anything and lie as much as they want and do any any th- amount of social destroying, economic destroying activity in order to get every American injected with this. They're willing to do that. So are they is it so crazy to think they're willing to use the FBI to intimidate journalists that get in the way of that plan on any flimsy pretext? It's like they're willing to pressure private companies to fire half their workforce, destroying their services, and then for those companies to then lie about it. They're willing to pressure companies into doing that. That then creates all of these supply chain issues, that creates all of these other huge problems. Is it so crazy to think they're willing to like leverage the FBI to step to crush people that get in the way of this vaccine push? I don't think so. Not at all. Right. Well, and it, and that's just one potential. You also yep. have all of this uh, information that's now coming out. Uh, for example, you've got Tucker Carlson, who's putting out videos now called Patriot Purge, uh, where they're showing federal involvement, basically that the uh, whole January 6th narrative was created by the FBI. Yeah. Uh, and that the entire intent of it were the feds basically trying to craft this BS narrative of an insurrection because to be fair, um, even if the feds led it, it still wasn't an insurrection. Right. Like, let me, let me explain. I think the original intent of the January 6th thing led by the feds was we are going to whip all of these people up to be angry. So they will basically do what Antifa does. They wanted all of these people to rush into the Capitol and like start fires and destroy things and maybe even hurt someone except, uh, they weren't crazy liberals. So they wandered around and took selfies. Exactly. So just, just so everyone's aware, I think the operation failed. I think the intent was for violence to occur. Oh, absolutely. And then it didn't. Right. To that end, what if, because this is the big hot story right now, especially with Tucker Carlson's Patriot Purge and everything else, what if that was the plan? Like, what if they have information on that? Information information on what? Like, Sorry, what if what, Project Veritas has information to support mm. federal involvement? That that to support the idea that January six was all a federal operation, none of it was oh, real. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Because that's no, another okay, one. Yeah, yeah. Do. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, okay. So I would say maybe actually less so on that because the in. It's pretty easy to figure out that there was a bunch of federal operatives that were part of that. And it's kind of been – you don't need Project Veritas to prove that, if that makes sense. You you don't need Project Veritas to be involved. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe they are. I think that's that's another good thing. But essentially, the diary is, is ridiculous. 
because they already handed it over. So all these raids on Project Veritas and, and journalists that are trying to expose corruption of the regime is clearly about something else. It's not about this diary, or if it is about this diary, so it, here's the possibilities. The raids on Project Veritas and these other anti, uh, these other, you know, kind of resistance to the regime journalists is either A, because the diary is absolutely true and extremely explosive, or B, it's about something much worse that they are trying to intimidate journalists into not reporting on. And those things could be the vaccine push, January 6th, you know, or, or something else. And that's, so essentially the government raiding the offices of Project Veritas only means the government is trying to hide something that we definitely should know what it should know about, which is, which is very interesting. And there's a lot of possibilities there. I'll be really curious to see how this develops. I'd be curious to see how Tucker Carlson's whole movie on federal involvement in January 6th develops. At some point, they're going to have to flex on these people, too. It's like, when, when does the FBI raid Tucker Carlson's set citing national security uh, threats when they talk about the federal government basically creating crimes out of nowhere and essentially well, creating false flags to drive in a political narrative? Well, if you recall, not too long ago, hmm. there were emails that were published uh that tucker carlson went on air and flat out said that there's absolutely no way that yeah. anyone could have obtained these emails unless they were spying on him yeah i remember that I mean, it if you didn't un realize already it is important to recognize that the federal government is will use all of its tools including law enforcement and the global war on terror toolbox it is seeking for any way it can utilize all of those tools against dissent in the United States. Right. Whether that is through illegally wiretapping journalists, whether it is through sending the FBI to raid people on flimsy trumped up charges, uh, whether it is throwing it, creating a false flag event that allows them to demand more political oppression. There is a very powerful effort in the halls of government to use the power of government illegally or legally to stifle dissent of the regime. That shows just how, A, worried they are about dissent, and B, how much effort they're putting into doing things they know that we hate. They know that they're doing things that are pissing people off, and they have a lot of energy and effort putting in to doing those things. They have a very powerful goal in mind that they know we don't want to see come to fruition, and that's why they are doing all of this. They want to do something that is very important to them, that is very bad for us, and they are willing to use all the tools in their toolbox to make sure that it happens and to make sure that we can't stop it. No, yeah, 100%. And, and I mean, that's that's the whole thing. Undeniable, right? We, we just had... This is what's so strange. Um, I mean... I'm not saying I'm skeptical necessarily, but you just you just had the revelation from the Durham report about everything in the Russia collusion narrative being a complete total lie. The FBI knowing in 2017 that it was a complete and total lie, yet here we sit. 
2021, there's still, Mm -hmm. you know, how many journalists that didn't fact check it, how many people in uh, the FBI that didn't fact check it, all of this going on. Um, Then uh, the same week, you have Project Veritas get raided by the FBI, supposedly looking for Ashley Biden's journal, which our diary, which basically validates that there's that, that, that it's a threat. Like if it's not real, you don't send the FBI in to raid a place a year later. Like that's weird. All that does, like, like I said, it wasn't even a story. That's what's so strange about this. Nobody really knew about this diary. Like I I was unaware of it. Most people were unaware of it. And I mean, I know that like, I don't do this all day, every day because I have, you know, a job and everything else, but like, we would have seen something about it if it was even a a worthwhile news story, but it, it, but it wasn't. Right. And that's why I feel like this essentially is a, I don't know. That's why I feel like it's a flimsy pretext. And to that same point though, I mean, I hate to say this because it's, it's dumb when you already kind of know the answer, but where's all the, uh, first amendment advocates, where's all the people who are worried about freedom of the press? Where's all the people, you know, who were crying about the press being persecuted? Uh, they're cowering. Um, they're cowering right now because they don't want to have to shill for project Veritas. Yeah. So, which is, it's just, there's a lot going on that I'm very optimistic about because it is absolutely lending credence to the idea that the Federal Bureau of Investigation is entirely corrupt. That the, the national intelligence infrastructure, which, which we were a part of in the military. Yep. has been absolutely corrupted for political reasons. And it's like, it's, it's provable. You have the federal Bureau of investigation raiding journalists offices because they make Joe Biden look bad. You have the FBI planting informants all over the country to conduct false flag operations specifically against conservatives. You have all of these department of justice groups that, which by, by the way, where was the FBI raid of uh, Trump's taxes? Where was the FBI raid of of classified leaks to the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, to the Intercept? Where were any of the raids for that? If they're so concerned about uh, like illegally gained material, they're not. It is obvious to every single American, every single one, regardless of political affiliation, that the FBI works at the behest of the Democrat Party. That the Department yep. of Justice works at the behest of the Democrat Party and that the intelligence apparatus who surveilled American citizens in 2016 works at the behest of the Democrat Party. Yes. Yes, it does. And we are getting proof of that every single day now. I mean, <clears throat> I don't want to be overly optimistic because I always set myself up to be disappointed by 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 the uh, Republican party, but the house of cards is beginning to fall. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to make people sad, but I'm cautious in that optimism 
because I guess, you know, with the last 10 minutes fastly approaching in the program, I, I have to mention that 13 GOP members of the house voted for the infrastructure bill for literally no reason. That's the most ridiculous. It's just utterly ridiculous. They had the vote on the infrastructure bill. Six Democrats from what you could call the the squad, the six Democrats in the squad voted against it, but 13 Republicans voted for it, but it would have passed regardless. Yeah. And I have not seen any good explanation for why I've seen an attempt to try to claim some 4D chess of, ah, they voted for this because then they'll vote against uh, uh, the Build Back Better. That, or as people want to say, because uh, I've even seen some of the representatives who voted for it, that said, I voted for the bipartisan infrastructure bill to keep the socialist spending Build Back Better bill from passing. They're both socialist spending bills. Yeah. You're either against government spending sense. or you're not. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, yeah. <clears throat> there are absolutely infrastructure things that should be done in this country. They do cost trillions of dollars. You don't get to whine about spending and then spend trillions of dollars on things like tree equity. Yeah. That's and a real at least, thing. And you just don't get to... I don't know. It just seems like such a ridiculous thing to pass. And the only reason why a GOP person would do it is for some to say like, oh, well, I'm trying to vote for Democrats on this. I don't I don't get it. They're trying to like what what they're do their donors want this. And if they so, then they're a traitor. Like, I don't just there's no reason to vote with Democrats on anything. They are the enemy and they need to be treated as such. It just is so tiring. It's so tiring being surrounded by traitors and communists. It's awful. I hate it. There is a political party in this country that is literally trying to make Americans who vote Republican domestic terrorists. Yeah. In that That's the most important issue. That is the issue. I don't give a I don't care about infrastructure. I care about opposing those people. And so Playing the game with them on infrastructure makes me feel like you're not going to oppose those people. And I could be jailed for no reason and forced to suffer a year's of detention without being tried like the January 6th people. Mm-hmm. Is the GOP going to let that happen to me when they agree with symboli- – when they symbolically support democratic things like this nonsense infrastructure bureau? It makes me feel like they're not going to protect me when way more serious things happen. And I don't like that feeling. Because it, the only reason – that's the reason we have a GOP. The reason we have a government and we have all these representatives is to make sure that I can't be oppressed. Like, that's the whole point is they're there to ensure that the government runs effectively, which means the government isn't doing things that are evil and unconstitutional. Exactly. And so like – and I think – the other part that makes it super obvious is did everyone else see what happened on Tuesday? Like not, not just in Virginia, not just in New Jersey. There were so many losses for the Democrats that why do you think that being bipartisan would be the good idea? They're being roundly thrown out of local 
and state level offices. Right. The American people don't want what the Democrats are selling. And then you just tried to help them sell it. None of you now granted many of those people aren't running for reelection, which is good because it wouldn't happen and shouldn't happen. But this, this speaks to far greater things, which is we obviously still need to gut a lot of people out of the Republican party. One of the things that came up this week as well was, uh, Lindsey Graham, uh, Tucker Carlson brought this up. Lindsey Graham demanding that police shoot the protesters on January 6th. Yeah. So just understand that you have people that are being held as political prisoners, which we'll get to in the last five minutes of the program. Just a little point on that. But you had a GOP senator trying to get the police to shoot the protesters that he knew were Republicans. There were GOP supporters. Yeah. Like, how can I trust the GOP to do things about the January 6th people, which are being... They're being improperly detained. Their civil rights are being violated. It is all awful and evil. It is something the government should not be doing. I cannot rely on Lindsey Graham to ensure justice happens for those people because he wanted them shot in the face. Yeah. And the reason why? Because Lindsey Graham thought it was going to look bad on CNN. Because Lindsey Graham was not under threat. Everyone knew that they weren't under threat. Everyone, they've gone through this before. Shit libs have shown up all the time and done that. They knew that nothing bad was really going to happen. There was no indication that anything bad was going to happen. They were surrounded by police with guns. Yeah. So it's, it's it speaks to the, them just being like, oh, the peasants want me to be held accountable. Okay, and this is what what was January 6th about? It was about, hey, there were just giant voting irregularities. And the and Donald Trump, the guy who's leading the GOP, supposedly, was not reelected. Wow, if you're a GOP politician, that seems like something you should just reflexively support. Like, wow, even if I'm some craven, just I, all, all I ca- I'm just some craven careerist politician, right? Mm-hmm. All I should want is, oh, no, no, I don't. If Trump wins this fight about election fraud, then my party gets more power. I would, you should have supported the heck out of January 6th. Yeah. Like at best, what was the reaction? Well, Democrats always claim that elections were stolen and we don't want to look like the Democrats. So shoot them in the face. Yeah. Like, or I want, I do not want Trump as president because he interferes with me making money off my globalist schemes. I would rather have a Democrat in charge doing Democrat things because that's really what I care about because I'm essentially a traitor. That's the only other option. So where does Lindsey Graham sit? Does Lindsey Lindsey Graham want Democrats to be in charge of the country for selfish reasons, for political reasons? Why does Lindsey Graham want the Democrats to keep winning? Why does he want to stay a minor opposition to a party that has unchallenged political power that's not his party. The only reason he would want that is if the Democrats having unquestioned political power and the ability to shoot protesters in the face when they're on Lindsey Graham's side is if Lindsey Graham is basically sees no problem for himself. 
Right. Why does Lindsey Graham want those people shot in the face? Why does Lindsey Graham not care when the Democrats have unquestioned political power? Because somehow that is not a threat to Lindsey Graham. Mm -hmm. And that should be very worrying because Lindsey Graham is elected specifically because to to threaten the power of the Democrat Party. And if he does not see their power as a threat to himself, then he's not going to do a good job. He's not going to be. He's not going to embrace his responsibility to his voters and ensure that the people that hate his voters are kept from having unquestioned political power. It's simple as that. Lindsey Graham as a person doesn't matter. Doesn't matter anything about him. All that matters is that he has clearly shown by his actions that he is not willing, for whatever reason, to stop the Democrats from hurting his voters. Exactly. Now, to that same point, well, within the last, you know, four minutes of the program, I'm not going to suggest that Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates listen to Wrong Think Radio. But what I am going to point out <clears throat> is that last week we went on a tirade and extended the program a little bit to tell you about what was going on with the January 6th detainees. And this week, Marjorie Taylor Greene demanded to go through the jail where these people were being held. They gave her a tour of the prison, but they refused to give her admittance into what they called the Patriot Wing, which is where all the January 6th detainees are. She demanded and refused to leave until they admitted her into that wing. And she stood with those people, talked to them, and sang the national anthem with them at 9 p.m. as they do every single night. And she is writing a report on everything that she saw. Similarly, Matt Gates has submitted uh, different pieces of evidence towards the deplorable conditions with which these people are being held in. This all happened right. this week. We demanded that something be done. And some things are being done. And that's good. good. Now, the problem is, is the barrier of what is something being done. And that's where it becomes a little unfortunate. It can't just be these people get released. That would be great. Don't get me wrong. These people getting released needs to happen. It is absolutely a requirement. Uh, and they should have recompense for their suffering. 100%. Sure. That's not enough. People need to be no. held accountable for the persecution of people for political reasons. Right. I don't care about January 6th. I care about January 6th only as far as I want to make sure that th what happened to those people cannot happen to anyone else. That is where I sit is, you know, what happened to them happened to them. I want to make sure that it can't happen to me or anyone else. Right. And, and, and to, to that same point, like how many times have we covered Antifa riots? Like, yeah, people getting arrested for setting a building on fire is very different than them wandering around, but they've all been let out on bail. They've all yeah. had their charges dropped. Yeah. I'm not actually even asking for these Antifa goons to be held in pretrial detention for months on end. Not asking for that at all. 
I just want to see yeah. equal application of the law, regardless of your politics. That certainly would be nice. If somebody in January 6th threw a Molotov cocktail into something, then yes, they should be arrested. I don't agree with the the fact that I don't agree with saying that the people of the United States of America could possibly trespass in the people's house. Yeah. I'm going to be defiant at that point. You cannot trespass on the grounds of a government building with which you pay for. But there's all that. There's going to be more. We'll dive a little bit more into what's going on. Some of the stuff that's going on with Tucker Carlson's Patriot Purge. Information that's going to come out on that next week. As well as some of the other news that's happening. Trust me, there's a lot going on. We can't get it all here. But follow us on social media where we'll post stuff. And as always, support the program at subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio for $2.99 a month. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. This is Wrong Think Radio. We'll see you all next week.